Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Bud Light is releasing a carbonated eggnog-flavored drink called Seltzer Nog. If you want a preview of the taste, throw up in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Seltzer Nog. I do love the Nog. I love the Nog. Yeah, it's good. So it is Warrior Foundation Freedom Station Week. We're raising money. We'll do a total here. We haven't done a total yet. It'll be our first total of the week. So we got our fanfare and everything ready to go. We'll do a total here in just a second. But you donate by going to armstrongandgetty.com and click on the, on the banner. If you don't know what Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is, uh, at some point this hour we'll, we'll, we'll do a good pitch, okay? We'll let you know what that's all about. But we would like to say this. It is not Wounded Warrior. All right, it foundation. Is warrior, right. Wounded Warrior Foundation. It is not Wounded Warrior. You see those posters all over the place? They got some big, giant celebrities that pitch them. It is not that organization, okay? And if you want to look into that organization, feel free to look at them on Charity Navigator or do some Google, Googling about their past. They are not as careful with their money in a lot of different ways as the outfit that we're pitching. Okay, I just exactly. want to make sure that you understand Here. that. Sandy doesn't like mentioning that other place. I understand why she doesn't, but I'm happy to mention it because I've read enough about the way they do business. I'm happy with mentioning, don't give your money to Wounded Warrior. Here's the story. Here's the name. Warrior Foundation. Freedom Station. If you head for CarMax, you don't want to go to, you know, whatever. Something, well, it also has the same word or something. No, you know what you're giving to. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. It's a wonderful organization. Trust us, we've been very careful in picking charities over the years that are so, so, so careful with your, your money, every penny of it. And Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is one of the best in the entire country. You don't need to do anything else other than go to armstrongandgetty.com if you want to donate money. Yeah, and listen, if you want to check them out via Charity sure, Navigator, oh yeah. go ahead. But we've already done that over and over again. They're incredibly efficient with your donations. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Help our heroes when they need it the most. So we're going to try to raise a half million dollars this week uh, just on the Armstrong and Getty Show from you good listeners by uh, close the show on Friday. That's not going to be easy to do because obviously we have to make $100,000 per show. Um, let's do an update. This is the first update of the year. Gladys plays the drums. In addition to the horse, I noticed, Gladys, you're wearing those uh, those bands, like the carpal tunnel things on your wrists this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Starting to get to you. Our she cur- over-practiced. Our current total is $34,016. That's not bad. We've only been doing this for like an hour. Hour and a half. Just getting rolling. Yeah, we're getting rolling. And uh see what we've got here. Sleepy Chuck Todd donated $250. That's nice. Oh, thank you, Chuck. Nice hairdo, by the way, <laughs> there, Julius Caesar. Some people just use their names. Some people like to come up with the wacky names, whatever. A lot of 250 There's 100 bucks. There's 50 bucks. Julie Havelock, thank you very much. 25 bucks, Man, if everybody donated 25 bucks, if everybody listening right now donated $2,500, bucks, we would blow out the we'd blow out our uh, goal right away, so. Appreciate it very much. And one of the primary things we're trying to do is uh, make sure that our warriors can get home for Christmas or have their folks come to them as they heal and rehab and deal with surgeries and all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, give as generously as you can. Uh, picture those those young men, women, in the embrace of their family to help them heal. It's just a beautiful thing. Armstrongandgetty.com. 
So I came across this in the Washington Post yesterday about the homicide rate in America. It is uh, it's something from from the year 2019 to the year 2020. We had the largest jumps jump in homicides year to year, probably in our nation's history. It's around 30 percent, wasn't it's it? It's just insane. Like yeah. Yeah. Probably the biggest jump in one year. And everybody was guessing, you know, is it the COVID? Is it the the protests led to what? What was it? What was it? Well, this year, a whole bunch of cities are up from last year. And the Washington Post had this opinion piece. The title was this. I used to run a police homicide unit. The rage behind so many of today's murders feels new. Let me read a little bit of this, and then we'll discuss. Because I have my own kind of half-baked theories. A disturbing factor is the pure, irrational rage that seems increasingly to drive these grim numbers. Uncontrollable anger has always accounted for some murders, of course, but I've been struck in recent years by the greater role it plays in these cases. In recent years, the data showed that inane, petty disputes increasingly are sparking killings. People die over absurdities, dibs on a car wash stall, stolen weed, getting cut off in traffic, beer pong gone wrong. More and more guns are likely to be involved. Nationally, the firearm firearm homicide rate increased 26% between 2010 and 2019. That's, you know, some of you might think it's the gun is the reason. One dark thread winds through murder statistics. In part, it explains when ordinary, everyday irritation or resentment might turn to homicidal fury. Killers generally feel powerless over their circumstances, having lost control over their lives. They may commit violence in an attempt to regain a semblance of it. And the ultimate exercise of control over life is taking someone else's. The pandemic no doubt exacerbated that sense of helplessness. A dangerous sense of lurking chaos has been in the air. I think we all feel that. Uh, add to that the contemporary turn towards simple meanness online and in the media, with bullying often admired and nastiness rewarded. Death threats have replaced debate. We've seen that in recent weeks. Inch by inch, rage becomes the norm, and then that poisonous atmosphere, tragedies are inevitable. I'll read one more a bit from this article, and then we can discuss One thing each of us can contribute is consciously working to lower the social rage level in America, says this person that used to run a homicide department. Try to make empathy and compassion a reflex and not instant anger at anyone who has offended you online or in the real world. If a rage culture has been created, it also can be rolled back. Well, I'm sure that's true. I'm hoping you're right that we can. But um, she touched on a bunch of different things there. The um, uh, social media stuff, the anger online, the pandemic. Um, well, first of all, I guess I'll just hit you with what do you think it is? Well, I she, think- she she she's starting with the premise that she feels like rage is definitely part of it. She's she was in the homicide department for decades and decades and decades. She's now retired. Looking back over the years, she says uh, fury over minor incidents. That has changed. Yeah, it's it's not the guns. It's a cultural norm. And you have to keep in mind that the vast majority of murders committed are committed in big cities uh, or medium-sized cities. And there is a culture of uh, the slightest grievance, the slightest questioning of one's manhood or attempt to uh, get over on somebody else. They can escalate to death. The idea that this is worth killing someone over for a lot of us, is a tiny, tiny list at the very top of a very grim pyramid. For a lot of America, it is absolutely any dispute. You question my manhood, I will kill you. Yeah, 
Um, obviously, that could play a role. I wonder if people just aren't walking around with, uh, with we're just walking around with more rage on average than we ever have before. So if you're walking around, everybody knows this. If you're if you're angry, if you're under a lot of stress, it's often the minor thing that makes you twist off. That's sure. when you snap at your kids, your spouse, your coworker, or whatever. It's just you're you're already angry, so it's, ah, you, you you twist over off something. So, uh, so I'm not sure at that moment it's a, um, uh, I've chosen to make this minor incident a, a, uh, a DEFCON 1 event. It's that we're walking around so angry all the time. What I wonder is why are we walking around so angry all the time? My, my own, my own theory is there's something going on around this whole social media isolation not connected to people thing Mm -hmm. that is huge like a complete change in the way homo sapiens have existed forever and it's making us crazy yeah i think you're absolutely right Uh, you know you have to keep in mind if you're talking about murder a lot of it is gang related a lot of it. Good point. And and you've got to go with the uh, the the George Floyd protests and the the cops pulling back and the lack of support from city councils and the rest of it have turned the streets over to junkies and gangbangers. So there's that. I, I that is not an argument against what you're saying because I I think what you're saying is absolutely true too. And it is part probably of the stew of causes that's caused the murder rate to rise. Uh, and it's also you know, part of the cause for a lot of ills in society. But I think that the murder rate has more to do with urban areas and policing, honestly. Hmm. I'm not sure the gangs of Chicago were walking around all tense because of Facebook and, and COVID uh, mandates. Yeah. I I just, as I was reading this article last night, I I think we're a long way from fully understanding what the modern world has done to us. Agreed. We, we might be decades from fully understanding it. Maybe we'll never understand it. Maybe it's too complex. But I was just thinking of Bill Maher all of a sudden because he used to mock people who talk about, um, you know, people say there's so much change taking place. And he'd say, come on, the biggest change in human history happened between like 1830 and 1900. Um, Prior to like 1830, Human beings hadn't been living that much differently than they were 10,000 years ago, really, in terms of the ability to travel and communicate. There's still horse and, you know, how fast a horse could get something somewhere. Um, and then everything changed with rail and telegraph and all that sort of stuff and the combustible engine and the uh, um, um, industrial revolution. All that happened. But The rise of the dirigible, of course. He used to say that. I don't think that's true anymore. I no. think the change that has happened in the last 10 years around communication, social media, all that sort of stuff, is the biggest change that has ever happened to human beings, ever. And 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 we're not even close to understanding what it's doing to us yet. Oh, my gosh, that reminds me. I've got some unbelievable uh, tape from the World Economic Forum. This historian talking about the, you know, the postmodern metaverse, high-tech humans and machines meshing, uh, the, the AI, the, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the universe, the continuum, the, uh, the, 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 the turning point, the switch, the big switch off, the, uh, the <laughs> conundracy, the, uh, what the hell, the, the, when, the, when the machines start to teach themselves oh, and learn. 
learning. The uh, what is it? The synergy? No, it's the uh, the the equilibrium. No, the I, I big can't orgasm. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> the big orgasm. I can't remember what the term is. The singularity. There you go. There Good it one. is. But anyway, he's talking about this, and I, I tell you what, it makes me want to head for the hills. Yeah. I think we're in the opening, say, wow. we're in the second inning of the modern computerized world making us insane. Wow, so all this change, I was just talking about the biggest change in human history, you think we're in the second inning of that happening? Oh, yeah, you're going to be hooked up to some uh, machine drain in your vital fluids and some <laughs> organ farm before you know it. With computers <laughs> drilling holes in your brain, using your energy to harness some supercomputer wow. run by Bill Gates and the WHO, I'm telling you. <laughs> so they're putting the chips in you. <laughs> With the vaccine? Yeah, exactly. You know exactly. That's without saying. Um, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, you think the, the what's making us so murdery? Joe might be right. It might just be gang stuff. Partly. Partly. That might be the bulk of it. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Best in the compare and contrast first. Do you want to hear Kamala Harris first or the Miss South Carolina first? I think uh, I think Miss South Carolina first. I think it works. So do we all remember this uh, contestant in a beauty pageant? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed- education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the US should help the US or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so yeah. we will be able to build up our future ordered the word salad so why did they ever start doing that we we don't want our who decided that our swimsuit models who are really tan and have shiny lips may be able to talk about the iraq and such as well they're uh they're they're spokesbabes you know they're supposed to get up there and and say how glad they are to be at the des moines butter festival what an <laughs> honor it is yeah okay um, but some people were comparing that to this from Kamala Harris over the weekend. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges and to work on the opportunities. She does that all the time, too. I think she, she said the same thing four times. She, she does that all the time, where she takes this very, very, uh, I'm in charge here sort of, like, stance, and then just rattles off a series of nothing. Yeah, that was the thing. She didn't actually say anything. Not a there. thing. I think something about this is a moment to get together and something. That was around her and France and all that sort of stuff, but who knows what you, she was trying you to know, say. You know, it really wasn't a uh, a resist we much moment, exactly, but it was just, it was odd in that she never actually said anything. She's got nothing to say. She's a big no. nothing. Yes. 
She is a big nothing, which Democrats knew. That's why she had to get out of the race before the first contest when she was running among Democrats. I think that may have been... I'm not sure if anybody will um, wake up to this on the left side of the aisle, but that was a sop to identity politics and racial politics, ethnic politics, if you will. Biden choosing her for vice president? That cost them terribly. I mean, the idea that, wow, she checks a couple of boxes. Wait a minute, we can claim she's black and Indian? And a woman? Please, triple bonus. That's all that matters these days. Get her in there. And and they will suffer for it because she's worthless. She's terrible. What There's so many smart people of every oh, I know. hue and color and ethnicity in America. The idea that they would choose that nothing, oi. We should explain what Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is all about here, maybe next segment, in case for some of you who are new to the show don't know. Um, It's one of the great organizations around, and if you care about our military, you're going to care about this. And you're going to want to give generously four stars from Charity Navigator, of course, every year they get it. At Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, just go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate if you want to donate before we tell you about it. Maybe you know about it already. Uh, or just go to armstrongandgetty.com. But we'll chat about that coming up in a couple of minutes. Plus, some more tapes from MSNBC. I tell you what, it's worth tuning in there. They say the craziest S. I mean, some of it's horrible and racist and insulting, and it's just crazy. Oh, plus, what's wrong with trucking? They tie it to Donald Trump somehow. Oh, yeah, we ought to check in a little more on that 60 Minutes piece from last night about the supply chain and what the hell is going on there. And it's going to cost us all more money with practically everything you buy. If you miss an hour, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, how can the industry be more welcoming? Because I have to tell you, I talked to a lot of truck drivers and uh, preparing for this segment. And um, most of these truck drivers are people of color. And they talked about, um, you know, hearing some of the racism um, over the CB. Um, You know, this is, again, an industry populated um, by a lot of white men over the age of 55. Um, This group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Um, some people have talked about, you know, aggressive truck drivers uh, cutting them off or not being helpful. Um, so obviously, the more populated what? it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that. What are they talking I about? I know. I know. <laughs> Too many white Trump voters driving trucks. We've heard people talk about this and but people have talked about that. People have talked about it. Okay. What, you're feeling too lazy to report on what somebody tweeted and then somebody blasted back? People have talked about this and racist truck driving. Okay. All right. Super. Unbelievable. More of what MSNBC is up to, wasting your uh, broadcast day in a moment or two. But first, something worthwhile. And that's a, a quick word about Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We are raising money once again this year for this terrific organization that that uh, intercedes, that helps our wounded guys and gals when they need the most seriously injured returning home from war, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, undergoing physical therapy, occupational therapy, operations, that sort of thing, and helping transitioning warriors have been medically retired, remain in our community uh, with everything they need. They just supply everything they need, including at Freedom Station... And there are two freedom stations now, thanks to you generous folks, Yeah, uh, a, a place to live that's incredibly supportive during that difficult transition. 
Uh, and uh, man, we visited the first Freedom Station years ago, and the fact that we, with your help, have been able to raise enough money that there are now two is fantastic. It's such a fantastic cause, uh, but we did the research before we ever got involved in this to find out that Sandy, who runs the place in Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, they're so careful with your money. They're among the best in the entire country at utilizing each dollar that goes to them. So if you want to donate money and know it's going to good, just go to armstrongandgetty.com and click on the banner. It's We made it super easy to donate. We're trying to raise a half a million dollars this week. You're going to hear this week from some people that uh, you know got wounded fighting for their country. We sent them over to fight a battle. They got wounded, and uh, the, they benefited from Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, and you need to donate money to keep that going. And don't if you're driving or something, don't try to memorize the name of it and get it wrong and go to the other one. Just go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have banners. It's incredibly obvious how to give, okay? Just go to armstrongandgetty.com. I want to share this with you real quickly. It's a note from, uh, we'll just say Edwin, uh, second-class petty officer, U.S. Navy, retired, and he signs a grateful man. I wasn't sure what to think when I decided to move from my apartment, uh, but I would soon find out moving into Freedom Station 2 mid-pandemic wasn't easy for me, and having one foot in and one foot out of the grave didn't make it any easier. He doesn't really go into his injuries mm. and situation, but the first thing I noticed was the huge American flag gently swaying back and forth as if to welcome me home. Feels good to be back on base, I thought. Even though I wasn't, I was around my people, my brothers, and instantly I felt calm and safe. Now, me being a man of God, I knew there were good people in the world, but these guys and gals were the real deal. I was taken back, uh, taken aback by the generosity of the foundation members and just how much they truly cared. Everyone was so pure and kind, and you would think this was built on holy land. Maybe it is. This place, these people slash angels brought me back to life and helped me live again. And I'm forever in their debt. I can't express how truly how I feel with these few words, so I did one better by letting my creator know the names of the lives I encountered here in my prayers. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, and he mentions a bunch of the people um, at Warrior Foundation Freedom Station and all the donors who created a piece of heaven. I thank you. God bless you. Wow, a piece of heaven. Yeah, um, thanks, Edwin. You want to be part of that? Go to armstrongandgetty.com and donate. Well, let's do a total. Let's do a quick drum roll, Gladys. Gladys, World War One vet. Man, that's a tight roll right there. They didn't have something like Freedom Station Warrior Foundation back when Gladys no, got no out idea. of World War One. Right, right. Um, Fighting the Kaisers, man. And well done, Gladys. We're try- <laughs> trying to raise a half a million dollars uh, this week by close of the show on Friday. We are currently at $41,639 after just a couple hours. I like our start. And again, as we often mention, so you can donate money and just put either anonymous on there you want or if you want your name on there that's cool like we got a hundred dollars from a supporter fifty dollars from a supporter we got fifty dollars from margaret timmons who wanted their name on there mm-hmm. um deb lund gave a hundred bucks but also we like the jokes if you want to donate 10 bucks just so you can get your joke out there hey it all it all spends right it all adds up so go to armstrongandgetty.com if you want to do like this person who donated ten dollars sean's digital ape give us a 10 spot <laughs> thank you mr ape I'm expecting more Brandons to come in. We need oh, more yeah, Brandons yeah. donating money. Come on. Oh, 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 and Michael, you know that question I ask every single year? I'm trying to locate a certain aquatic mammal. Do we have those sounds ready? Just let, Yes or oh, no? Yeah. You don't, don't play it yet. Oh, yeah. yeah well, you, you get that ready for next segment? I will, yeah, for next okay. segment. For we're next segment. We'll have to go okay, hunt them down. Because I got my harpoon ready, and you know what I want to know, so stay with us. All right. So uh, one more note from the world of MSNBC. Uh, this was uh, over the weekend. 
host Tiffany Cross had some harsh words for several black media figures that had departed, departed the hardcore lefty ideological corral. Such noted conservatives as Van Jones, ESPN anchor Sage Steele, and uh, former MSNBC anchor Carlos Watson, who weren't towing the line. Listen to what she said and how incredibly insulting this is. Uh, clip 42. Okay. Carlos Watson, Sage Steele, Van Jones. What do these three folks have in common? Well, they're all people who have been prompted up by wealthy or powerful white Americans. And yet we, the keepers of the culture, don't really rock with any of them like that. Now, obviously, the three of these folks are most definitely black faces. However, they're not necessarily black voices. And there's a difference. Let me explain. Take a listen to these half-witted, self-hating remarks from Sage Still. Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial. I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I I think that's fascinating considering his Black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, Mm -hmm. you do you. (laughs) What? So that is undoubtedly a black face, whether or not she knows it. But it is most definitely not a black voice. Yet I'm sure someone is giving themselves a big diversity pat on the back by having that modern day minstrel show, Sage, Step and Fetch It, on the airwaves, spewing her continued nonsense. Whoa. Wow. Van Jones. Van Jones, you're part of a minstrel show. Can you imagine? Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want to say that and be within arm's reach of the dude. That's a hell of a thing oh. to call a person. You're a step and fetch it minstrel show. Whoa! You're a black face, but you're not a black voice. And what was that? Uh, yet we, the keepers of the culture, don't really rock with any of them like that. Uh, when was that appointment ceremony, dear? When did you get the anointed? How did that become okay to say out loud on a on a cable news channel like that? That's unbelievable. It really is. You know, I just speaking speaking for us around here, and and ninety eight point nine percent of our listeners, I feel terrible. But I'm I'm talking to our our listeners of color. I am so sorry you have to put up with crap like that. I, I'm so sorry that people have such insulting views of you or your independent thinking or your liberty. I'm sorry that anybody ever says anything like that about you. I'm sorry you have to put up with that crap. God, one of the that's disgusting. Think what you think. Be ready to back up your arguments. You have our respect 100. percent MSNBC, no. The Armstrong and Getty Show, 100. percent you know, all the talk about white privilege over the years, about what white privilege is or isn't. One thing that I am uh, privileged to have as a white guy is I get to be whatever I want to be politically. I could be way to the left or way to the right or a mixture of all kinds of things and never be expected to, like, represent my race in a certain way. One exception. What's the one group of folks who would accuse you of, quote, unquote, betraying your race? Klansmen, the most horrifying, you know, neo-Nazis, actual white supremacists who, who number in the very small numbers, by the way, the worst humans on Earth. Well, that's going some. Some of the worst humans in America are the only ones who would accuse a white person of betraying their race. And yet black people get that S all the time. Again, I feel terrible about that, and I'm sorry it happens. And and don't listen to the haters, my friends. You think what you think and be proud of it. 
I don't know if you got any road trips coming up. Maybe you do heading somewhere for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. How about if your car breaks down? Do you have Car Shield? You could sign up for Car Shield very easily. It's a month to month car insurance situation. We'll explain to you. But uh, a lot of people are doing over a million drivers already feel comfortable headed out on a road trip because of Car Shield. Yeah, instead of squandering all your time and your money on that expensive repair, repair CarShield's administrators handle the paperwork and the expensive payments for you. No hassles, no headaches. They could save you thousands. And you get to choose the mechanic to do the work, and CarShield's administrators take care of the rest. Yeah, you get to choose your own mechanic, but they do the paperwork. I absolutely love that. And the fact that it's month to month, I think that's the future of everything. Yep. You know, that that's just the way things are going to go in the future. CarShield's already there. And they've helped over 1 million drivers. CarShield is a win-win. They might be for you. Check it out. Get coverage today. See why CarShield cars go further. Go to carshield.com slash Armstrong. You'll save 10% by using our car, our, our code, rather. carshield.com slash Armstrong. A deductible may apply. carshield.com slash Armstrong. I'm looking at the list of people who have donated to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station already today. And in for $25, Jack's hairpiece. Mm. I don't have a hairpiece. If I have a hairpiece, it's not a very good one because I appear to still be bald. But looks like you skinned a raccoon. I'm bald all over, so a hairpiece wouldn't do me any good. It would just sit atop my bald head and look ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. I don't advise it. Although you're a man of means, you could invest in a good one. I'd have to go full wig, though. I mean, it'd yes. have to be like the sides, the sideburns, the back, the top. I have to go full wig. Yeah, you're you're beshaved. You don't even have the fryer tuck around the sides. Or right. Anything. Right. Yeah, well, you could grow that out and then get a, you know, a raccoon nah, skin. I can't. I've tried. I can't. That reminds me. My, my whole uh, head is pretty much bald. I'd have to go with the full wig. And then so if you ever enter into a relationship with someone and you, uh, you're you wearing a wig all the time and they don't hmm. know it, at some yeah. point, you try to, do I, would I try to keep that secret my whole life? Or, uh, <laughs> you know, at some, point, at some point you say, I got something to show you and you just pull your whole top off. And, right. <laughs> They shriek in horror and run out. Or just one night to uh, loom out of the darkness without your wig on so you're not recognizable. It's me! <laughs> <laughs> I don't I just, know. I just don't know. Yeah. Oh, we're running late. We probably ought to take a uh, break. Anybody break bald ever gone the full wig? Full head of hair? Sure. Text, yeah, people text, do all the time. Text line. Do they? Do they? Oh, text line yeah, 415-295-KFTC. Sure. I've never known a dude who did that. I don't think. Well, that's the that's the point because they got a really good uh, hairpiece. Yeah, you when can do you call st- it a wig if you but like. But when do you start? Like, do you move to a new town and start a new life with your with your wig, or do I just show you up? You probably work, should. Or do I just show up to work one day with a full head of hair and hope nobody says anything? Well, that's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> well, right, right. So I don't see how you would start going yep. from bald to hair. There's only one way to find out, Jack. You got to try it. <laughs> Well, it's COVID. There's hardly anybody at the radio ranch, so now's the time. Now's the time to make a major change. I'm not going to say anything (laughs) to you, (laughs) not in front of you, right? Yeah. Save those sorts of comments for behind your back. That's where those are best. (laughs) Where they're the most fun, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Anybody ever had that experience? Text line four one five two nine five KFTC and a bunch of other stuff we need to get to. What was the one thing I was really excited about? Hold on just a second. Uh, we ought to hit the whole supply chain thing on 60 Minutes Oh, yeah, yeah, more. yeah. We, we really should, because that is something. You talk about something that's affecting absolutely freaking everybody. That's it. If you didn't see 60 Minutes last night, stay here. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, we were watching 60 Minutes last night, and uh, we were all texting about it. I, I thought their opening story about the supply chain thing was pretty darn good and covered a lot of different angles of it. Um and uh, just showed how complicated it is and how uh, how it's not as simple as, I mean, I was screaming and yelling about uh, longshoremen <laughs> a week or so ago, or the fact that we are so not automated, that's a longshoreman issue. Um, but, you know, truck drivers, price of gas, all these different things, all these things factor in, but it's all these things coming together that makes it so complicated. Um, just to give you an example... Uh, well, let's hear this clip 33 there, Michael. The ocean carriers, most headquartered in Europe or Asia, say demand for cargo space keeps rising. They blame a shortage of truckers at the port. Take an empty in, take a full container out. Where is this falling apart? In the fact that we, because of the booking systems, have restrictions on the type of container that you can bring in. Matt Schrapp of the Harbor Trucking Association told us there's no driver shortage at the ports. He says it's the antiquated booking system that's gumming up the works. Schrapp told us normally truckers make an appointment to return an empty container before picking up a full one. But with so little space at the ports, there are new restrictions on even the color of container that can be returned. Truckers can wait hours in line only to be turned away because there's no room. So there's not a driver shortage? We just got an antiquated system? How many times have you heard there's a driver shortage as we've been going through this whole supply chain thing? A lot of finger pointing as they got into on 60 Minutes last night. There is a lot of finger pointing. Yes, there is. The truckers blame the terminals. The terminals blame the shippers. The retailers blame the truckers and the shippers. How do you get that contentious group to sit at the table, stop pointing fingers, and actually clear out this backlog. That's been the toughest part. We haven't moved the needle yet, but it's not for a lack of trying. We're going to have to just double down. So many different spots in the supply chain where it gets clogged up. We typically work about 19 hours a day here. It's that 3 to 8 a.m. shift that we've added and tried to get others to work with us during those times as well. So you might be working 24-7, but the warehouses are not. That's right. So they have no place for these goods to go after they get off the ship at 3 o'clock in the morning. And there you've just diagnosed the problem. The cargo has nowhere to go. We've got to get a workforce in the warehouses and the trucking industry that are complementary to all this cargo that's coming in right now. Well, and add to that the problem with the longshoremen's unions and the the regulations that regulate how many containers can be stacked at once. and uh, It's just the pressure of the current situation exposed so many flaws in our system. I actually thought, can we play, uh, let's see, which clip was that, 40 real quick about the port system? See, Singapore alone is building a $20 billion container terminal right now. How did we get to this? I mean, I've seen the ports in Rotterdam and in Hong Kong, and they are light years ahead of us. One problem with the U.S. system is we the ports are owned by the cities that they're in, and the, ultimately the capital expenditure for building terminals for dredging for you know for investing in these ports comes down to decisions made at a local level you know this is a national infrastructure it's to serve the entire country so there's a real role for federal government to come in and step in 
Yeah, they didn't get into it near as much as I would have liked to on 60 Minutes about the role of the Longshoremen Union. Google yourself if you want to Longshoremen and Automated Ports and look at all the articles going over many, many years. Every time that that issue comes up of automating either the unloading of the ships or the stacking of the the uh, the big containers or whatever it is and the fighting against that. Yeah, yeah. In that last clip, dude seemed to be advocating a federal role in yeah. the courts. I'm not sure what that role ought to be, um, but it's absolutely a disadvantage that we have that, A, we were way ahead of most of the world in industrializing, and so, you know, we we had gigantic uh, functioning ports many decades ago, but they're aging and the technology's not keeping up, and, and we're, we're it, it, sometimes our lack of coordination, call it individual states and cities' efforts, sometimes that's an advantage. Joe. Sometimes it's a disadvantage. Talking up autocracies all of a sudden. Well, Chairman, she has some points. No, I'm kidding. Uh, actually, he's talking to our ancient president tonight, right? If if Joe Biden can stay up that late, at some point today, at some point today, Biden and she are talking. Yeah, if he unleashes a had a blad of care, uh, what does the translator say? <laughs> What's the Chinese translation for that? Blad of care. I got nothing for you. I uh, sorry, Chairman Xi. I got nothing. I don't. I don't know what he said either. I speak English, but I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, if you miss an hour, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.